Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your yeah. Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard. Yeah. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. With me today, we've got Tracy. Good morning. I tried to throw you off by making you first. Didn't work. <laughs> We've got Karen. Yeah. Well, I can always surprise Karen because she's never paying attention. What? <laughs> and we've got Eric. Uh, hey, friends. Hello, everybody. So, uh, greetings from the future. I'm. Uh, I am remote podcasting this week. I. I am actually in a different time zone than usual. So for me, it's actually an hour later. Than all of you, it doesn't feel that way, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's uh, kind of funny how how uh, you know being in a different time zone. It's like it's like it's sort of like time travel. It's all right. Maybe it is for me. Maybe not you. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we're from the future. You're from the past now, dude. Well, that's true. Well, no, actually, for me, it's a it's uh, for me it's eight eleven. So oh, for you, right. it's only seven eleven. I'm ahead of you guys. You're right. So yeah, I'm the I'm from the future. Guess what? Twenty twenty is no better. What's the future like? <laughs> it's ugly. <laughs> Although everything's not on fire where I am. I can actually breathe out here. There is there is surprisingly still a haze. I mean I'm in Seward, Nebraska, which is if people aren't familiar, it's not too far from Lincoln and Omaha and all that. And it's only what, maybe forty forty minutes away from Lincoln, Nebraska, something like that. Um, and there's still a little haze in the air from uh, from all the fires. And I guess that hap- might happen when the whole Western United States, you know, from the Rockies on, is is on fire. But uh, so, but yeah, here I am, and I just I find it interesting. Technology is kind of cool because as in the car ride yesterday, I was editing uh, the podcast that we recorded last week, and I just. It just struck me the things that we can do with technology now while, you know, normally you'd just be staring out a window and I was able to put that together something that could literally go around the world. That was just kind of cool to me and uh, made me made me feel important and special. Well, that's that's a little bit of a stretch, but good for you for having that feeling. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. You, you, know, you, you know, you give me the warm fuzzies. I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our discussion for today. We're continuing in Deuteronomy. We're starting in chapter 21. And I got to say, when I first read the title of this first section of chapter 21, I got kind of excited because I was like, I was like, ooh, murder mystery. And uh, it ended up not being quite as dynamic as I was hoping. But um, the discussion in here is if somebody is found dead, obviously murdered, uh, what are you going to do about it? Well... It turns out what you're going to do is you're going to get your elders together from all the towns surrounding it, and everybody's going to basically say, "Not me," and uh, they're going to they're going to sacrifice a heifer and and ask God for atonement. So it's kind of like, well, we don't know who did it, but uh, um, we're sorry for it, and God, we just want you to know it wasn't us. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys find that as humorous as I did? I found it interesting that that in a case that was unsolvable, they weren't to just throw their hands up. It wasn't a matter of um, 
a well. Mm-hmm. It's that God cares about the loss of life. I mean, even even a you know apparently random unsolvable thing. And I guess mm-hmm. to me, I read that as if God cares about these, you know, things. Maybe we should too. That, that that there's still an atonement for blood, and that goes way back to our discussions way early in way. And I think it was in Genesis where God says, "I'm going to require the blood guild, even of animals, if yeah. a person is killed." Yeah, I guess I hadn't looked at it quite that way, but it does it does make sense that I mean I did I did you know pay attention that, that people still made atonement, recognizing that something bad had happened, and uh, you know. We, we understand that this is our society that did this, even though we don't know specifically who. And uh, we're going we're still going to we're still going to take at least some responsibility for what's happened here. Uh, yeah, that was kind of interesting in that aspect. I think it's good that they held that that position where, you know, they wanted to do good in the sight of the Lord, that that was their primary focus is is the guilt aspect to it. But. If you look in nine, they put away the the guilt of the innocent blood among you, and and do what's right in the sight of the Lord. That mm-hmm. being the primary focus. Yeah, showing showing some care for that person who was uh, who was treated unjustly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a theme that we're going to see through the through the readings that we do through all of today's reading is God's concern for the people who would otherwise not have power. He said, you know, if you do have the power, you need to be responsible with it. We'll see Mm -hmm. that show up in various ways. Yeah. Well, the chapter goes on and talks about female captives. So, I mean, you know, we talk a lot here about women's rights in ancient Israel. And here, if you have captured a woman in, in one of their conquests of one of the cities around there, and if it was a city, obviously, that the women were allowed to be taken rather than everybody wiped out, then there were rules if you decided that um, you wanted one of these women to be your wife, and that was allowed. So, I mean, first says you were supposed to bring her to your house, and interestingly, she's supposed to shave her head and cut her nails. I'm guessing this would be... Probably there's probably dual purpose to this, I guess. I partially, maybe just for strictly for cleanliness, would be my guess. Then she's supposed to change her clothes. And here, see, here's one of the things. I mean, you wouldn't just take a woman and, um, you know, take her. She was supposed to be allowed to mourn her parents. It says mourn her parents for a month. So you, you know, <laughs> at least give her a little time to get used to the situation. I thought that probably the shaving her head and trimming her nails and changing out her clothing, people tend to get caught up in what they see and what they want, like right now in this moment. And I kind of took that as like a visual check, like give her time to process what's happened. She just underwent a giant change. Mm -hmm. You calm down. And just yeah. give her some space. And this is the fact that they bring them into their home, but then they enter, they give her a grieving period before taking her to bed 
Like everyone knows that you're intending to take this person to be your wife. That's why you bring her to your home. But then mm -hmm. nothing happens for a month. And these, these visual changes like the nails and the hair and the clothing, like that everybody knows what's going on. Everyone knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a chance for her to settle. It's a chance for him to calm down. Not, not that men ever get caught up in their hormones and dive in where they shouldn't. I'm just saying this might be mm. like the one guy who wants to do that. We're and very then, responsible. Very responsible. And basically it's a chance for everybody to get to know each other without the excitement of battle pushing you one way or another, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I took it. I'm sure that's probably, I'm sure that's probably true too. I think there's a. I think there's probably lots of layers to this, and uh, yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, this the whole thing. The way this is put down is it would, if it were followed, and I don't know how how many of these regulations were actually followed on a regular basis. Yeah, but it. I mean, when when it, when the command comes down here, this is what you're going to do. You're going to give her this space. Oh, and by the way, you can divorce an Israelite woman. And there's these, but this woman, you get one shot. That's it. And if, mm -hmm. and if she's not going to be your wife and you're not going to care for her, she's a free person. Like right. she gets to go and do whatever she wants and she's not yours in any way whatsoever. Like she's not going to work for you. You can't sell her to somebody else. And it would kind of make somebody who was willing, if they were abiding by law, would think, do I really want to do this? Is this really where I want to go? Because this is more of a long haul, like Karen is alluding to here, than an impulse thing. It would tend to, I would think anyways, make somebody think twice, like, man, am I ready to take on this commitment, you know? Mm -hmm. From the long haul. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we need to remember, too, marriage then, at least it seems to me, marriage then was a very different thing than it is today. You know, today we have these courting times and people marry because uh, because they fall in love and and they feel like they want to spend their lives together. It seems to me back then it was much more of a business transaction, uh, very much expected that um, the wife would bear children and take care of children so that so that the man's um, line could proceed. And it would seem more more along those lines than of a, any kind of a romantic nature. Now we know that there was romance in the time because um, we were we were not that long ago talking about um, oh Rachel and Leah and um, help me out was that um, Jacob Jacob yeah that's that's the name that was in my head I just didn't want to say the wrong <laughs> name and uh, you know I mean he he wanted one and and worked really hard for her so. Um, so, you know, it's not like marriage was completely devoid of any, any love or affection, but it was, it was just different, you know, different than, than what we see it as today. But yeah, so it was, go ahead. Did you, did you just say that in modern days we have a courting time? Did you, did you actually say that? Going courting, going courting. I, I want to know where I sign up for that because I have <laughs> any of that. Well, <laughs> but so so I just have to say the modern woman in me 
sort of got my hackles up because in a lot of these situations, there is never a turnabout where, and if she in turn is displeased with him, she can take a frying pan to his head and exit, right? Like there's nothing (laughs) of that. It's all like, well, does he approve of her? You know, if he marries her and takes her to bed and he is unhappy, he has to let her go. Really? Really? Would Mm. anyone like to know what she thinks? I would like to know what she thinks. Okay, I'm done. That's my modern woman rant. <laughs> I think I think that's fair, Deep though. I, I think breaths. that's fair because we've got different sensibilities now. You know, uh, in in the perspective of what they were dealing with, though, the idea of her being a captive, I mean, right away, that would have put her in in a bad place. And if you're going to. Well, but but this same thing applies to Israelite women as well. The man yeah, can yeah. be displeased with the Israelite woman and he can divorce her. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. We see yeah. here as we as we move on down that I mean the very next section, the inheritance rights of the firstborn, I think they're very, very patriarchal. Um, mm-hmm. and even within that, <clears throat> I think God is trying to get these people to understand that there's the right way. And sometimes that's going to conflict with the way you would want to do it. Mm-hmm. And the encouragement to do the right thing anyways. And as I understand ancient society, pretty much most of these things, I'm not an Old Testament expert. But from what I've read, most of these laws that they're getting are actually increasing individual rights over what the surrounding nations would have done. I Yes. Biggest and strongest makes all the rules, and whatever rule they make, that's the rules, period. And they don't have to abide by those rules if they change their mind. And God is laying down things here like, oh, if a father, in the case of this one, the firstborn, he's got two wives, and the firstborn of his least favorite wife is the oldest and should get the inheritance, dad can't change his mind and give it to his favorite son. It's like, you just can't do that. Too bad. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, this is you talk two wives, and one's got the older son, and and it, the reason that this is important is because in that society that the oldest would get a double inheritance, mm-hmm. and they would then be able to provide for their for their offspring down the line. And so this was a this was not only an honor thing; this was a, an economic thing as well. And so for God to say, no, if this is the way things happened biologically then you're, you're bound to it, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And, you know, I found this interesting because the first thing I thought of reading this was Abraham with Isaac and Ishmael. Yep. And oh, yeah. problems that that caused by Abraham favoring, favoring Isaac. And, but, you know, and that's funny, too, because, I mean, that was some, you know, some of the treatment of Ishmael was because that's what God told him to do. You know, so you're going to put away, you're going to send uh uh, Hagar and, and Ishmael away, uh, and Isaac is going to get, he's going to get the inheritance, so to speak. Um, well, yes, but God was very explicit. If we look back, and for for listeners who are not sure where we are, we're in Deuteronomy 21, that God was very specific, saying, oh, I, oh you think I'm just sending Ishmael away? Not so fast. He is going to be the inheritor. Yes. the patriarch of a huge group of people. Right. And he didn't tell Abraham this probably would have freaked him out. It was like, and those people are going to be just as numerous as yours, maybe more. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's what we tend to forget to and overlook that, you know what, God takes care of all of it from all different perspectives and aspects that even though the inheritance inheritance is set aside for, you know, like primary, the secondary doesn't get left behind. They're still, mm-hmm. they're still blessed as well. Also, um, Isaac was a specific child of a specific promise. Right. Mm-hmm. And Abraham yes. had sidestepped the fulfillment of that right. and created Ishmael when he should not have. So right. God wasn't going to leave yeah. him in the dust for it, but neither was, was God going to derail the promise that he had made to Abraham just because Abraham took matters into his own hands. So I think right. there's an element of that. I don't think like the normal inheritance process was the idea there. Mm-hmm. I think getting back on track in spite of human intervention was the idea there. Right. Okay. I, the, I know that the New Testament was, I, I thought of this a number of times as I read over this because of all of the laws that were covered here, but there's, in New Testament times, there's this, there's this text, you know, in, in God, there is no Jew, no Greek, nor male, no, nor female, no free, nor slave. And that's such a statement of equality. And I, and I get that that's how God views the human soul. And yet God is working within human society as it is at that time. And I tried to keep that in mind as I was reading. Yeah. And keeping that in mind, this next section, of course, I, I really want, on the chance that my boys listen to this, I want them to pay very close attention to this next section, starting in verse 15. If, a, if sons would rebel against their parents, they were to be brought to the elders and stoned to death. So boys, listen to your parents, do what they say, that your or days else. may be long. Without <laughs> wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that just puts so much perspective on it, man. <laughs> Honor your mother and father so that your days may be long upon the earth. Because if you don't, don't make me you. come back You'll there. Rocks. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of those little headlines like, which shows are not coming back next season? <laughs> Son number two. <laughs> it's I I guess I mean this is this is probably one of the things of the things where we look at and we say the Old Testament way of you know as they're building a nation that is like the farthest away from from my getting myself in that perspective and saying yeah I can see that this is probably the farthest away oh my goodness yeah. the other ones I can kind of at least say, well, in that situation, I can kind of see what, you know, what had to happen. But this one is this one's yeah. hard to get my head around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in all in all seriousness here, I mean, there's no way I can imagine a, a sane set of parents actually doing this. So, I mean, it makes me wonder, you know, just how bad would a, a boy have to be? I mean, what what would constitute rebellion, you know? I mean, that, well, that's good. It, it. it gives an example of it. This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Like, it gives examples. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, specific. I spent some time thinking about my son's teenage years, and that boy was a handful. Mm-hmm. And if I had somebody to go to and drop to my knees and be like, please fix it, like, 
do something with it. I've done everything I know how to do. I would have been so happy to go and, you know, provide a provide a very heartfelt cry for help. But not if I knew it was going to get him stoned. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not the not the fun Colorado kind of stoned either. Not the kind he was struggling with. The kind <laughs> you don't want. Right. Right. Anyway, you, you see what I'm getting at? Like, I considered yeah. him very, very hard to raise. And yeah. and even looking back on it all these years later, he's long grown and gone. And even looking back on it all these years later, you could not pay me to repeat those years. I tried everything. And mm-hmm. and yet the idea of going to the local authorities and be like, well, I can't handle him. So he needs to be killed. I just yeah. I can't even get my brain around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Do, do you, any of you all know of an occasion where this process was literally followed? No. 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 So I think maybe it goes back to, and I, I, I don't know that this is a great analogy, but stick with me here. Is it when Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, what does he say to do? Cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin. Pluck yeah. it out. Yeah, pluck it so out. I think maybe. This is maybe. So the last person here, so you shall purge the evil from your midst and all this shall hear and fear that God is saying, you guys need to take this stuff really seriously, like really seriously. And if they had, there would be no need for this. That's about the only way I can get myself around it. When I was reading it, King David came to mind and Absalom and yeah. You know, I think it also stands to reason almost and kind of go with me because this is kind of a, a stretch that I was thinking. But, you know, parenting, even though, you know, they do wrong and they deserve to be stoned, <laughs> you don't go there. You know what yeah. I mean? You give them yeah. that grace and that mercy, even in light of them doing terrible things you still bear with them just like king david the first thing when they was going out to meet absalom in the battlefield what did he tell um uh his generals you know what take spare my son take it easy on him if you find him Mm -hmm. even though it was in a clear act of rebellious and defiance he still had that that extension of mercy and grace where i think that while this is the law it's like it's on the books, but it's not really done. It can be done. So kids take warning, but parents, that's a far stretch. Yeah. Well, it occurs to me, too, that this could be there as a deterrent. I mean, I've always seen death penalties as being more of a deterrent than a punishment. Yeah. It's like if, if, if you understand that there is a very serious punishment for something, there's hope there that you will you will. Take think that twice. out. Yeah, think twice. Take that out before you before you act a certain way. Um, but then if you do act that certain way, then society has they have something to fall back on and uh, something something to carry out. So it's and not human like nature, human nature being what it is. I think we I think that we need the rules and the consequences spelled out in advance. Otherwise, we'd be like, oh, I, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I just I wanted to in the moment, and I and I didn't know. I didn't know there was a that that was going to be the consequence. I wouldn't have done it if I'd known. Right. 
Exactly. So, yep, that's it. I think it's I think it's largely largely a deterrent because I can't, you know, I don't think it's license for parents to look for a reason to kill their children. It's uh, it's more of a deterrent for children to uh, obey their parents. Okay, so it goes on with uh, calls some miscellaneous laws, and there's lots of sections in here with in our reading today with miscellaneous laws, but um, there's a few here. The first one here I thought was twenty two. Yeah, verse twenty-two. Thank you. Oh, um, no, I, I want to. I want to stop by the last section in chapter twenty-one first. Okay. Deuteronomy twenty-one, twenty-two, and this. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah, I meant verse twenty-two. Oh, there you yeah. go. Go then. Yeah, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. And this is the important, or this is the part that sticks out. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So, uh, go ahead, Eric. Well, that leads me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Mm-hmm. So we see this, and that reflects back to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. And the concept is that he took our punishment for us. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we condemn, con- esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. So the idea being that Christ took that punishment and became, like in in Galatians 3.13 and Isaiah 53, he became that curse for us. He took the punishment for us. You know, if we want to just flash back and say the rebellious son, we're the rebellious son. And he said, Mm -hmm. yeah, you guys deserve to die. And I will take your place for you. And it goes to what Tracy's saying is that God extended us that grace that that we didn't deserve. And this was this idea. We read through these things in Deuteronomy and some of these things were like, yeah, whatever, who knows? These were very in the mind of the Jewish community uh, as they were the, the, the early Christian church. They realized this. And, and this is the funny thing is that today we wear around a cross and it's a fashion statement. It's on tattoos. I see it, you know big uh, stickers on the back of, you know, the, the monster trucks and stuff. It's a cool thing. The cross is, mm-hmm. but it was more like if today we wore around like a little electric chair right. or, or, a, or a syringe for lethal injection, it's just kind of like creepy. Like you, that's actually not cool. And that was what the early Christian church said, man, he did that for us. And it wasn't a fashion statement. Right. No, it was a brutal, demeaning death. It was and, it, and, and it carried a curse. It carried yeah. a curse. They thought this meant that God had abandoned you, and it's like, you deserve that. Like, this yeah. is an obvious, like, we dealt with this in Job. Like, this whole theology of, like, if you get sick or if you get hurt, that obviously somehow you have, you know, fallen out of favor with God. That's still a thing. I've heard it in 
I've heard it in my own church. Well, if you hadn't had more faith, you wouldn't have got sick. We're still struggling with this. But Christ took that on. He was willing to get, take that shame for our forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, we get into chapter 22. And it starts out with some interesting stuff here. Uh, don't act, basically, don't act like you don't see a lost or hurt animal that belongs to somebody else. You need to reach out and help it. Don't just look the other way when you see, and you know, I think it goes beyond animals, but I think don't just look the other way when you see an obvious need. When you see that one of your neighbors has a problem and you can do something about it, do something about it. Don't just look the other way and act like you, you don't notice. So like here, if somebody's animal got out of the fence or whatever, take it back to them. Help, you know, help out. Just be a good neighbor. Uh, number or uh, Verse 5, this one is very poignant for today. Basically, no cross-dressing. Men don't dress like women and women don't dress like men. And, you know, this is... <laughs> You, you, if you point this out today, you kind of get accused of being hateful or being a bigot. But God had very specific ways that he wanted men and women to present themselves. I think it was to avoid confusion. I think it was not just um, like societal confusion, but I, even personal confusion. Some people might listen to me say this and think that I'm an awful person for saying it. But when a man feels like he is a woman and wants to act like a woman that's that is not a healthy way to live because not we the way it's supposed to be right it's not the way it's supposed to be i have touted the idea here several times that sin is not about being naughty sin is about missing a mark that god has put for us and a man who wants to live as a woman is not living as God intended him to live. Now, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that I can't say that I can step inside the mind of, some, of, 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 a, of a trans person and understand exactly what they're going through. But I can suspect that they have a lot of confusion in their life. I can suspect that they're, they have a lot of inner turmoil in their life, that they have a lot of things they're trying to figure out and they don't know how. And somehow this makes them feel better. Yet, well, also, also, I would like to take a moment to point out that I personally believe that the further we get from creation, the more nature breaks down. And I don't, I, I think there's a lot of biological influences that go on mm -hmm. with this type of thing. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't want anyone to think that this is purely a matter of choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do, right. I do, I do have a, not, not specifically on this, but on this concept, because I've heard this, whoever does these things is an abomination. And I find it interesting that we'll go to this as an abomination, but can you list off a few other things that are abominations to God? Oh, lots of things. Right. Gossip, lying, murder, infidelity. Greed. Okay, so here's the thing. Contentiousness, yeah. Right. Those things in our society are held up as virtues now. You know, somebody who's who's just basically they've cut all the corners and they are they are enriching themselves at the expense of others, they're a hero. Mm -hmm. And 
I think to your point, Karen, the farther and farther and farther we've gotten from the mark, from creation, mm-hmm. the more and more we are willing to say, well, that's probably not so bad because, and, and generally speaking, human, humanly speaking, we tend to excuse the things that are our favorite foibles. You know, if I struggle with, let's say, um, envy or greed, I tend to think of that as a virtue. I'm not greedy. I'm aspirational, you know? Driven. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm not really a gossip. I'm just the one who's like, you know, helping us remember where we are and what's going on. And, yeah. and I, I think this is where, and this is, this is basically, and this is going to be a hard pill to swallow. None of us get excused. None of us. Mm-hmm. And God is calling all of us, every single one of us, to a higher standard. And it's up to us to follow that. And I think that we need to... Yeah, I, I struggle with this. Because, okay, verse uh, chapter 22, verse 12. You shall make yourselves tassels on the corners of your garment on which you cover mm-hmm. yourself. Boom, right there. Yeah. I'm going to just come clean right now and say, um, <laughs> I do not have corners on my clothes and I do not have tassels. Now I do know people who read this and they're like, God said it, I'm doing it. And I have a red, you know, no, it's a blue, it's a blue thread in that, in those tassels, I believe. And they take it and they're like, I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the, all right, well, how many of these things later in, in our reading, and I'm not sure where it is, but we can skip ahead to it. Um, it is, I think it's uh, 24, um, oh, I, I can't, I don't know the exact verse, but basically they're told to carry a little shovel around on their belt. And, uh, you know, whenever you got to do your business, make sure that you do that outside the camp and cover it back up. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah any of you all who head out today have a little shovel hanging from your belt? You know, mm. li- literally. So how many of these things are things that we say, all right, here's a principle. And as long as we're, you know, following the principle that God wants us to, we're pursuing that. And how many of these are literal things? I'm going to put tassels on the corners. I'm not going to shave the corners of my beard. I'm going to wear God's law on my forehead in a little tiny box, you know, written on a scroll. How do we handle these? Because they kind of come together. Some of them are Separate. I mean, like human rights, women's rights, the rights of uh, those who are oppressed or beat in battle. All of these things is, man, I have a tough time when maybe let's just say there's an imaginary uh, 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 preacher preaching on the abomination of uh, a man dressing as a woman, but he hops out in his Rolls Royce and then scoots off to the airport and flies off in his private Learjet. Mm-hmm. I, I'm left with more questions than answers. Yeah, and yeah. Whenever we talk about these sort of things, we have to temper this with the with the with the idea with the hmm, you know remembering that we are all human. We all have our things that we deal with. We all um, we all have our ways of falling short, and. and- for me to look at anybody who is falling short in a way that's different from me and consider that person to be uh, in, in any way worse worse than me, that's a wrong attitude to keep. And so, um, you know, I want to assure that 
people that I'm not I'm not trying to point out any one thing as being any worse than I ever was. But there are times when scripture is pretty specific about something. And I agree. It's specific here about you shall make yourself tassels. Yeah. On the four corners of your garment with which you cover. I mean, that's pretty specific. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do not mix wool and linen. Do not yep. wear mixed fibers. What? Yep. Mm-hmm. They're all really specific. And so my struggle is, 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 is real in this. And I believe that, you know, to flash forward to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is preaching in uh, Matthew 5 and 6, he is always calling, and this is, I think, an underlying principle that all of us really need to, because we're going to be judged based on our relationship to God, not somebody else's. You know, I can say this on a podcast and you flash forward to the judgment and it's not going to hold any water for you to say, oh yeah, I heard Eric on this podcast say X, Y, and Z. And so I did it. God's going to say, mm. yeah, but I called you to this. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not your judge. And guess what? I'm, I'm not going to be your judge. God is. And in Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus is calling us, interestingly, in the, in the, in the way of this like liberate, you know, liberation theology that we're, that we're, we're more inclusive later. He's calling us to a higher standard, not a lower one. He's saying, oh, I told you don't murder. Now I'm telling you, don't even have hate in your heart. Oh, you you know, before you thought the rule was just to keep your pants on with somebody else. I'm telling you to keep your mind in check. And so as Jesus gets further and further into our hearts, he's not, I'm going to make this clear. He is not lowering the standards. Mm -hmm. He is raising the standards. And I think that's a that's a real tension in this to 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 we all need to be asking ourselves, well, what are you calling me to do? Mm-hmm. Well, you were while well, you were talking, but before you mentioned uh, the Sermon on the Mountain Mount, I actually turned to Matthew five because the very last verse of Matthew five is one that came to my mind repeatedly while I was reading all these miscellaneous laws because, and I think we've talked about this over the last few weeks, like I can't figure out when stuff is literal and when stuff is uh, sort of more like policy-based, right? But the very last verse of Matthew 5, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard. That's mm-hmm. why all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we all need the Christ on the pole who's carrying mm-hmm. our shame and the curse for us. That's why we need that. And so I I don't know how to look at some of these laws. I, I don't I don't know how to do it and and figure out like d- does this apply to me or or is this is this a specific thing to those people in that situation? Mm-hmm. Right. Like the trowel on the belt. My equivalent in my house, I have a, a preteen son, is flush the toilet, wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll get there, that, that there is a principle to, that is still applied for us. Yeah, it? and that's my point, is that I'm trying to find, like, in these things, what is, what's God saying here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's saying over and over, whether it's a steward thing, he's saying, keep my standard at the highest. Treat your fellow people with dignity. If you have control or power over somebody else's life, you need to respect them as people 
and treat them with honor. You need to do the right thing in your situation, which their situations are different than ours. But I think if we look at any of these things and we say that to excuse our bad behavior, we're using it wrong. Well, a few verses there. I'm not going to go through every single one of these, but there's a few verses there going down through verse 12 in chapter 22. And, uh, you know, they're laws that are basically, they're there to demonstrate balance. They're there to, you know, there's some there about protecting people. There's some there about maintaining purity. So, yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to get bogged down in all of those, but understanding, just understanding that there are principles in those as well. You know, like don't, don't kill a bird and take its eggs. You know, it's like, you know, don't just, don't just be destructive and don't take everything. Uh, live a life of balance, live a life of purity. And, and, um, I, I think you hit on something right there. Exactly what you said is what I was thinking of is balance. Mm-hmm. Take what you need and nothing more. Right. Yeah. Yep. That shows up again and again. You're walking yes. through somebody else's field. You can take a handful of grapes. Yes. You can't load yep. them in your pockets. Yeah. Yeah. Take what you yeah. need. Okay, well, moving on here, uh, so we don't get too bogged down in this. There's there's a lot of things we could talk about, um, but there's laws for sexual morality, uh, and some of this. That, I mean, this first one kind of comes into play uh, between Joseph and Mary when when uh, Joseph uh, when when Joseph and Mary were betrothed. But um, if a man uh, uh, su- uh, suspects that his wife was maybe not um, loyal before they got married. He could he could make an accusation, and uh, then it would be up to the wife's family. And I don't you know I mean it gets a little graphic, but if there they would have opportunity to prove that she was a virgin at the time, and if they can prove that, then the man would get fined, and um, that money would then go to the the father of the woman if that if that's found to be if his accusation is untrue, but if it is found to be true then the woman gets stoned so i mean again it's you know it's a society where very different from ours today we hardly think about this stuff today it's almost just assumed anymore that uh people will be having relations like that before before marriage but but uh, you know unless we should think that um women are the only ones here having any kind of 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 laws placed over them. If a man has an affair with a married woman, well, then they both are supposed to die. Let's see if, uh, Oh, the next part, this is kind of interesting. If a man, if a man has sex with a woman who is betrothed and they're in the city, then they both die. If the woman doesn't cry out. And the idea there being that, uh, if this was not consensual, then a woman, would cry for help, you know, and in a city, people would hear that and come and come to help her. But if she didn't cry for help, then this would have been consensual and they both would have been doing uh, something they weren't supposed to be doing. Now, if it was in the countryside, then only the man gets punished because nobody could hear the woman. If you if a man would have premarital premarital I can't say it premarital sex with a woman before uh, they were betrothed he would get fined 50 shekels it would go to her father uh, and then immediately that woman is supposed to become his wife 
reminds me of uh, uh, hmm, what was that when the whole whole city got got destroyed because of uh, oh, was that Shechem? Yeah, yeah Shechem. Oh yeah. Um, this this doesn't. Um, I actually this one stuck in my craw a little bit because it it doesn't say he meets a, a virgin who is not engaged to be married and they have sex and they're discovered. It doesn't say that. It says that he takes her and rapes her. Mm. And then he's obligated mm-hmm. to marry her. And this was the other time that the modern woman in me was like, really? That's that's what you think is cool. That's what you think <laughs> is cool is to make that woman stay with the guy that held her down. Like, somehow that's okay? You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I have actually seen Reddit strings on this topic and from atheists saying, oh, yeah, no, we should totally believe in God because this is what God believes is okay. If a well, man rapes a woman and she's a virgin, she has to marry him. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, oh dear, oh dear. You know, I was, this is one I, of those where I wish we knew. I wish we had more context. I wish we had more information because, at a glance, this is awful for the woman. Certainly, uh, but we're looking at it from from our perspective now. And like I said, but earlier, marriage was a different thing. I was looking at it. I was looking at it from a man's perspective, and he has to marry her now, you know, and uh, because there's a good likelihood she could come out pregnant from this. She's going to have a child that's going to need to be taken care of. Yep. And um, hey, dude, God has cost you all your money. <laughs> <laughs> and God, God is making provisions for this woman and to be taken care of by yep. the guy who who wronged her and that doesn't mean that they ever have to have any kind of relation like that again but he has to now take care of her he has to take care of that child for the rest of their lives go ahead tracy and i I look at it like this too and i was kind of looking at it again because if you remember this is a recap we we've talked about this before and i would first like to mention you know karen Mm. consistency because you said nearly almost the same thing as you said last time when we read this which it was like yeah i can definitely see that point but then looking at at the male perspective is that, you know what, this was an act of wrong. So there should be some guilt and remorse to it. And I think by marrying her now, I know this might be out on a limb, but by marrying her, you see your transgression and the impact of it every day. And I would hope that it would make you a better person going forward. Does that make sense? Does to me, I, I hear silence across the the the, the it way. Would a, it would be a high price way. to pay. It would be a very high price to pay for impulsiveness. Yeah, it's like yes, now, yes. You are going to empty your bank account, and you are going to be taking care of this other human being and this other person's offspring for the rest of their lives. Is that a price you want to pay? Your offspring. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the thing is, is that it's it's. It's putting a really, really, really high price on what normally would be a casual, impulsive, um, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll eat the candy bar and throw away the wrapper kind of a thing. Is God saying, oh, no, oh, no, you don't get to do that. You, you get the whole deal. Mm-hmm. You get the whole deal and you get the whole deal for the rest of your life. Is that right. a thing you want to do? Yeah, this is one of those situations where it specifically says you cannot divorce her. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's one of those yeah. things. Once again, we see that, you know what, there's going to be consequences. So are you sure you want to go this direction? Because, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're grave at this point. And it goes right. with you your entire life, the consequence does. Mm-hmm. So do you want to really do this? And do you want to take out this rape on this other individual? Yeah, you need to, you've got to be thinking about deterrent. it. You, you would hope that would be the deterrent. Right. Yeah, yeah that's the idea. No, no I, I, I. I totally, I totally get why this would raise the hackles of of someone okay. of the female pers- of per- the female persuasion from our perspective today. Because I, I mean, I could think if the, if it was reversed, I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd want to live with that guy for the rest of my life. But that's looking at it from a twenty first century perspective, where we have this concept of marriage that is based on romance. I mean, our, our you know our concept of marriage now is based on ro- romance. It's not based so much on practicality of the time it's not so much based on i need to extend my line it's not based so much on i need i need people to help me uh run the farm you know it's it's based on you know a lot of it our society is based on hallmark movies and and romantic comedies and and things like this we have a very different idea in our head of what marriage was like uh, is like now versus what it was then and the idea of having our whole our life committed to someone who wronged us we just wouldn't have that today there's just we just wouldn't do it you know and um i i'm sure that it still came with difficulty on the part of the woman to then be under this man's care for the rest of her life um the other side to the female perspective perspective though you know, if you if you line that up with what we've been talking about, is what if she does get pregnant, she bears the shame. Everybody knows what happened mm-hmm. to her, and she's at home living with her parents and raising yep. a child. And her dad has to care for her for the rest of his life, or her brothers have to care for her. And then, and then the other perspective is if she doesn't get pregnant and she goes to get married, she has to trust her betrothed enough to tell him the story because if he goes into her and she's not a virgin, he can set her aside for being impure. So it's like the shame, the, the, you know, I'm using an old word, the shame of this, if she does not marry her rapist settles on her because the, because the stigma that came with all of the fallout, all of the fallout, yeah. So the idea that it's very, very complicated. It is. It is. But so the idea that she is going to be taken care of—that's that's the point I think to take take away from this. In a society where she normally would have just been discarded, yep. God is saying, "Take care of this woman that you wronged. This is your responsibility now." Uh, let's see. Chapter twenty-three has. I don't think there's a lot to to dwell on here in the beginning but just a couple of things here people who would be excluded from the israelite congregation (laughs) the very first one is kind of odd in my mind but uh, basically a guy who's had his testicles damaged by crusting crushing or mutilation he's not allowed to be a part of israelite society that's interesting and um I don't know where to go with that one, but well, um, see, again, here's here's one of these things where it's handed down, and and yet we have Daniel, who's no doubt a eunuch. Yeah, yeah. 
and his three, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're eunuchs. And, I mean, Daniel wrote, like, I mean, he's getting messages from God's throne. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, is, this isn't like he got excluded from from participation in the great controversy going on in the in the universe. He's probably like he and the Apostle John and and Ezekiel, they're they're like three at the very, very, very core. And it's like, wow. And then yeah. the, the, the in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, God is doing all of this unfolding of, yeah, I'm including them. And then, okay, yeah, I'm including women, and I'm including Gentiles, and I'm including Romans, and, and, and the Jews at the day, their mind is just being like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got Philip, who, who meets the Ethiopian eunuch, um, and this just describing a eunuch. Okay, so, and, and he is welcomed into the church. He's baptized immediately. He's not excluded. Not only is he a eunuch, he is no doubt... I would say no doubt. I would think that as an Ethiopian, he is probably not of the Middle Eastern kind of, I guess you'd say a mid-town shape. No, not white. He's probably pretty dark. And so yeah. he's, he's, he's a foreigner. He's black. He's uh, a eunuch. And he works for the government. And all of these things would have blown the mind of these, these uh, good Israelite brethren and yet he's welcomed into the church immediately. And so yeah. we, we have this, no wonder in, in the New Testament, the, the, the good Jews were having their minds continually stretched by like, wow. So in Deuteronomy, we thought it was just this, and now we're finding out it's bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some other categories of people that would not be allowed. Anybody of illegitimate birth. So that goes, just goes back to the discussion we were just having. If a child is born illegitimately, they're not supposed to be a part of society. Up to ten generations after him yeah. or her, and here's I Jesus, And here's Jesus, the assumed illegitimate <laughs> son. Yeah, no kidding. Yep. Uh, Ammonites. Man, it's like uh, God did not forget what happened there. Um, well, bo- and Ammonites and Moabites. And Moabites. Oh. Yep, up to ch- 10 Let's generations. Involved. What was that? Let's get both those daughters involved. Yeah. Yep, they're not they're not allowed for 10 generations to be part of this. Um it's because, not even. Yeah. It's not it's not like after 10 generations it's okay. It's like never. Not even 10 generations later. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that yep, they're they are excluded. Um and in part because of how how they tried to curse curse the Israelites through Balaam, and it said no peace with them forever. You're never they're never supposed to have peace with the Ammonites. So that was like wow. Third generation of Edomites and Egyptians are allowed, but not that first and second generation. Yeah, Edomites and Egyptians are allowed, mm-hmm. but not right away. Yeah. Yeah. And Edomite uh, were East, I got this wrong before I know I did, were Esau's descendants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so they're still family, but distant. And here's where your shovel comes in, Eric, the cleanliness of the campsite. And <laughs> talking spiritually and physically here, an, any unclean man is supposed to leave the, the camp until he is washed in, at evening. Uh, but then, yeah, your latrine is supposed to be outside of camp, supposed to be set aside. And to talk about because... Because God walks in the camp. So if you need to do your business, 
you don't do it right next to your tent. I mean, anybody who's ever gone on a backpacking trip, you you know that you don't do that right there where you're where you're trying to uh, uh, where, where you're basically living. You know, you you go you go off, you find some nice place looking over the valley and take care of business <laughs> and uh, and uh, and you cover it up. I went on a backpacking trip a few years ago uh, with my son. Uh, it was a Boy Scout trip and it was so funny because our our guide for the trip was this um young girl i don't know she was 16 17 i don't know little little thing we all everybody called her hulk it was funny but she made this big deal about everybody you know telling telling about their cat hole location (laughs) and i think it was just kind of to encourage people look go do what you need to do do it out away somewhere you know and but but don't do it right here because it's just not it's not sanitary to to do it right where you right where you do it you know it's like uh, I, I, I will I will borrow a phrase and I will clean it up for the podcast but you know don't poop where you eat mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just because it's disgusting we all have to do it but you know don't do it here and uh, so and and that principle still applies like. Like we talk about, we have a special room in the house for doing it now, where it gets swept away. Um, and uh, but uh, you you wouldn't do it in your back your own backyard, probably. You know, so keep the camp clean because not only are you were walking around here, but God is walking around here. We're trying to keep this not just physically clean, but spiritually clean. Uh, some more miscellaneous laws. Let's see here. Don't re- don't return runaway slaves. That was kind of interesting. I guess if somebody yeah. decides. Somebody decides they don't like uh, their their who they're working for, you know. And we're and this is slaves. This isn't just employment. This is uh, this is indentured servitude idea, or I suppose even captives from conquered cities. Um, but if somebody has decided they are are escaping from from uh, their uh, master, I guess you call it, don't return them. There's a reason they left, and don't oppress them. Yeah, and don't oppress them. Uh, there's talk here about ritual prostitutes for males and females. Don't don't have that kind of stuff going on. Well, don't uh, says don't become don't become one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Prostitute wages. This is kind of interesting. Prostitute wages are the price of a dog. I don't not sure what that was all about, but they're not to be brought for offerings. You know what to do for a living kind of makes 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 uh makes a difference and uh, your offerings from those things are not going to be accepted. Some things here we've already talked about. No interest for for fellow Israelites. Don't wait to pay. Don't wait to pay for a vow. Uh, it's a sin to not follow through. If you've made a vow, then you need to follow through with it because if you don't, it's a sin. But it's not a sin if you don't make a vow in the first place. Uh, it goes with things I talk about a lot is don't be hasty to don't be hasty to make promises. Don't be hasty to jump into things um, because you're going to be expected to follow through with those things. Keep your promises. Um, oh, we talked about this eating. Eat, eat. If you go into somebody's vineyard, you can eat as much as you want while you're there, but don't try to take any home with you. And same with grain. And, you know, we can think forward to the time when Jesus was walking with his disciples and they were, um, on the Sabbath and taking little bits of grain and, and all of the, uh, I suppose it was the Pharisees. People saw him doing it and thinking it was this great sin for them to be plucking these little heads of grain on the Sabbath. But that's, you know, they're under this principle. They're walking through and they're having a little snack as they walk. 
and that was it was considered okay these days i don't know farmer might might not take too kindly to that if you decide to start walking through his field and munch it on his crops but um god to say nope that's okay not a big yeah. deal so i wonder this is maybe an opportunity to say is there a principle here to not be so selfish that we're like you know what no no that little that little handful of whatever you got that's a nickel you owe me a nickel for that mm-hmm. is that they were to be like don't make don't be so uptight about that giving just a little extra I mean, we all do different things in our professions. Maybe, maybe God's saying, don't be super stingy, man. I mean, it's like, seriously, if you, could, if somebody else needs just a little hand or a little help here and there, you, you know, I mean, I, I uh, applied for a patent once and worked with a patent lawyer. And let me tell you what, you, you so much send an email to say, is this thing done yet? And they send you an email back that S Y E S that'll cost you, a, you know, a quarter of an hour and you'll get billed. You know, 80 bucks for that. Mm. Like, literally, I was not prepared for that. And whether it's a lawyer, because I'm not one, or something else, God may be saying to me, hey, dude, somebody needs an extra photograph for this extra thing. Don't don't be super stingy on things. Just help people out if you can. Don't make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there'll be people a freebie now and then. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt to... I'd like... Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. No, no, I'm done. Oh, I liked um, 19 through 22 in, in chapter 24, where it kind of talks about this as far as, and, and it's specifically talking about the crops that you grow in your field. When you're harvesting mm-hmm. in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for yeah. the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow, so the Lord your God may bless you. When you beat the olives from your tree, the branches a second time, leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. Like just leave leave something and like ruth ruth was a foreigner and she was going behind boaz's workers and she was gathering up the stuff that they dropped Mm -hmm. because she was poor and they needed food and when he noticed that apparently the flirtation method of the day was why don't you leave a little extra food behind for her huh (laughs) there's some courting for you (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think it also plays all into that once again, like we were talking about earlier. It's just the balance of of it. Yeah, this is what's going to balance your society. Um, yeah. I noticed something in uh, verse sixteen, and it made me think of Achan. You guys remember the story of Achan? We haven't come to it yet. I think that's like a Jericho thing. But yeah. verse sixteen in chapter twenty four says, "Parents are not to be put to death for their children." nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. So there was obviously something circumstantial about the situation with Achan because his whole family gets put to death. Yeah, Yeah, we saw that in Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, their rebellion against Moses. But Moses told them, "If if you're not on their side, get away. Get away. Now is your chance to like say, nope, this is not my tribe. I'm stepping away. And they were given a chance to remove themselves. And uh, at least in that case, and we don't know, like you said, Karen, we don't know exactly what's going on with Aiken, but I think this is an interesting, um, and this is an interesting concept of how we forget how much of our current law and system is built on some of these principles. Yeah. I didn't know this. I'm studying for a real estate license is that Colorado was one of the first states to say that you couldn't deny somebody services like a loan for for a real estate 
based on ancestry, not having to do with your religion or race or um, any of those other things, but ancestry. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, if their parent was a, um, a notorious criminal, you can't deny them real estate services just because of who their parents were. Hmm. Like Colorado was one of the first states that did that. And I thought, wow, I guess I'd never really thought about that kind of prejudice showing yeah. up. Yeah. And, and way back here in Deuteronomy, they're like, hey, you know what? If the father is a jerk, don't, don't assume that the kids are the same way and punish them for it. Right. And vice versa. You know, right, and you right. do see, yeah, you do see that a lot too. You're like, oh, you know, you know whose kid that is, you know, and sometimes, 100%. sometimes that might be a legitimate, I mean, I mean if a kid acts a certain way and they're acting, ex- what's that? They need to be judged by their own behavior. You may be yes. suspicious and yes. it may be deserved, but at least they have a, you should give them a chance to be different. Yeah, exactly. There's some law here specifically concerning divorce, and I want to bring this up because Jesus talks about this later on. He talks about Moses, you know, said you can give a give a woman your wife a certificate of divorce. Well, basically, uh, the, the way the Bible puts it here, at least mine says, if you find any uncleanness in your wife, then you can write her a certificate of divorce. You know, what specific uncleanness? I mean, as we can speculate, some of it is probably infidelity. There could be any any number of things. But it's it's uh, it's allowed. Divorce is allowed in these circumstances. And you basically would just have to write her a certificate of divorce. Now, but the then later find... Jesus says later, Jesus says, I allowed you to divorce in mm-hmm. Moses day, but only because your hearts had become hardened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, again, you yeah, know, we talked about plan A. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I was going to say. It was this is not plan A, you know. You know why there might have been problems, but this is not this isn't oh, well, there we go. Done, you know. It's uh you, you can do this if it's unreconcilable, but you it's know, not I think, ideal. I think too when you I can't remember where it is where it gives that direct outline for that. But if you continue to read farther on, it also has to do with if you're not willing to forgive them. So it puts some of that onus back on you to say, you know what? I forgive for God saying I've forgiven you of your trespasses. Can mm-hmm. you find it in yourself to forgive them? Right. And that's so. Now, and if you go to the Lord's Prayer, you could get really direct about it and say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have right, sinned against us. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like this, this isn't plan A, but plan B is, you know, if you cannot do this, if you cannot extend this to another person. And mm-hmm. this has real, real applications. I remember years ago going outside for something in the morning and my neighbor, my next door neighbor was just, she was just very distraught. I mean, like visibly. And I just like started just because, I mean, I had a point of knowing my neighbors and talking to them. And she was so upset that I just, I don't know how the conversation started. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She said, my husband and I had a really bad fight last night. And I said some terrible, terrible things that I didn't mean and that I regret it. And I'm afraid he is going to want to leave me. And But I didn't, I don't mean those. But I feel like I can't approach him and say I take it back. I can't do that. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, yeah, you can. 
you you've got to talk to him and tell him like immediately that those things that you said were said in anger and you don't mean them. And she said, I, I don't think I can. I can't. It's too late. And I just remember feeling this agony that like, if you can like say, whoa, whoa okay, let's, let's take this back. I'm really sorry. But in the end, she, she never did. She never did tell him what she told me that she didn't mean it, that she was sorry. And he never heard those words from her and they divorced. And I felt like, man, that could that have been different if she, I'm not judging her. I'm just saying, could it have been different if in that relationship she just said, I'm really sorry. And he said, yeah, I'm okay. I forgive you. This has, these are, I mean, it seems like theory in Deuteronomy. We're talking about this, but in real life, Mm -hmm. this can matter. One of my, um, a lady that I knew where I lived before I moved here to Colorado, she was the same way. She was very, very sweet until she lost her temper. And when she lost her temper, she would mouth off and she would say everything cruel that she knew would be painful to her husband. And this went on for two, three years. And for some reason, she, I don't know if she was like, pushing him to see how much he could take. You know how humans sometimes act really weird for some kind of subtle reasons. I don't know if she was pushing him to see how much he could take to try to make it, see if he was going to leave. She escalated and escalated and escalated. And then she would see me, she would cry and it was just remorse. And, and I would always encourage her, same thing you were saying, Eric, like just apologize, like just apologize. Eventually she reached her limit. She made made her plans she decided she was an unworthy human being and she killed herself and i was just Mm -hmm. like i knew her so well and i knew what she was struggling with it was this chronic grief of she was intentionally inflicting pain on somebody every time she lost her temper she would just unload on him oh i felt terrible after the funeral i called him up and i was like i need to talk to you i'm gonna take you to a cup of coffee and i did i took him out and i was like look this is what she has said to me over the years and i don't know the details of you guys's relationship from your perspective but here's what i knew and i want you to know that this was going on that this intense remorse was getting expressed to me and he goes that fits exactly with what i suspected and he goes you have no idea how much guilt you just lifted off of me Mm. wow so he had been struggling along, like, did I push her to do that? Like, what happened? I always tried to be so gracious to her when she would lose her temper. Did I mess up? Did I mess up? Did I Was I not enough? You know, this, this stuff is hard. This stuff is hard. And honestly, I struggled with these five, five chapters. I know we got to wind up here, but I just, I struggled with these five chapters. There was so much detail about action and consequence and action and consequence. And like my modern mind wanted there to be moral relativity, right? It wanted there to be, except for these exceptions and these exceptions. And when Karen thinks it's okay, right? Like I I, I would would have been happier if each of these had a verse in there that said, if Karen thinks it's okay, then it makes sense. and, And we just won't have punishment. I just struggled with these five chapters. Mm. They were hard for me to read through. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it is important for us to face up to our to our faults and um, admit them. And I think I think a lot of times more often than we think, we'll find that people are rather forgiving, especially if someone 
is willing to accept what uh, accept that they that they were wrong. Let's see the rest of twenty four. There's a lot of stuff here we've already kind of talked about in various chapters here. Um, you know, etiquettes when making loans. Oh wait, before we leave the divorce thing though, if a woman um, gets married again, then that first that first husband can never take her back. So that to me that even allowed uh, forgiveness there though because sort of I took that to be that even if you have decided to divorce, decided to separate. That doesn't mean that has to be permanent unless there is another commitment made. And once that other commitment is made, then that first commitment is completely null and void and can't be – you can't go back to that. But you, there's always that room for reconciliation until another commitment gets made. That's interesting. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's yet another example of how God is saying, you need to think about this before you just launch off on this because you're going to be committed so – Please think twice about insert behavior. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Deuteronomy 25. Some more little things. Um, don't beat a man more than 40 times for, for crimes because you don't want to, if you don't want to kill him. That, you know, I think that comes into play with Jesus, although it was the Romans who did the beating, but. Well, the same idea. Body can only idea. take so much. Yeah. Don't muzzle an ox while trading grain. I thought that was kind of interesting, but yeah. you know, you got an animal that's doing work for you. Don't, uh, you know, don't <laughs> don't torture that poor animal by. I mean, it's going to be right there, seeing that food, and going to want some of it. And how much really is the thing going to eat? You know, and uh, so so be kind to your animals with that kind of stuff too. Marriage duty of the surviving brother. This comes this comes into play when somebody comes and asks Jesus about this specifically. Mm-hmm. So if if a man dies and has had no heirs and was but was married uh it was expected that then his next oldest brother would take the woman to be his wife and take her to bed and uh get her pregnant and then that first child would be credited to the first brother and so so that he would have an heir so that his line would go on uh, the stuff that he owned, I guess, would would mm-hmm. would go on, and it's an interesting concept for us today to to consider that. I mean, the idea of of brothers sharing a sharing a wife is, I don't know, maybe a little odd to us today. But here again, this is a, go ahead. This is economic, though, because yeah. it, God. As I read this, I'm reading this. God saying, "Don't be selfish," because if the brother. I don't have a brother, but if I had a brother and my brother died, it would be like, oh, cool. If he doesn't have any um, any offspring, all of his stuff becomes my stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God's saying, oh, no, 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 no. Don't get selfish. Mm-hmm. This isn't about you. This is about you being of, um, lack of a better phrase here, service to your brother who you're going to create an offspring will then inherit all of these things that your brother should have. It's not yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only is it not yours, but you're expected to do this. And if you don't do it, you're going to be shamed in the whole society for it. Yeah. You know, you, you're, this, this, this woman will otherwise be set aside, she'll be cast aside, her, and, and uh, she won't be taken care of. And 
she's family now. You need to you need to do something for her. You need to do this thing. So yeah, very interesting. And then, well, we don't probably need to get all into what Jesus was talking about. That you know, if this brother dies, and then that brother dies, and then that brother dies, you know, <laughs> whose wife is she in heaven? That's an interesting story. We'll get to that when we when we get there, which will be way down the road. But it's an interesting story. If anybody wants to look it up at some point. Yeah, the summary is Jesus says, you, you guys don't know what you're actually talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're putting too much emphasis on the wrong things. And uh, yeah, you don't even you don't even know. <laughs> Verse 11, there's 11 and 12, an interesting. <laughs> I found it interesting. I don't know. I was back after I was reading it the other day. I, I, uh, I brought it up to my wife just because it was kind of funny to me. If, if, uh, if two men are fighting and. <laughs> And one man's wife decides she's going to defend her husband, and she jumps in. She's got to be careful where she puts her hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I read this, she... and I'm like, is this a common problem? Like, they had to make a law about this? <laughs> you, you know? If you haven't you seen it, you're not going to write it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's true. But, you know, so so the concept is if a woman if a woman jumps into the fight, and grabs a man by his genitals, grabs the other man by his genitals to get him off of the other guy, she's going to lose her hand. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of other places that are going to be a little more more effective for stopping a, stopping a fight like that. But I think the concept here is that's just <laughs> off limits. <laughs> and, and a woman and a woman has has no business grabbing a man there under any circumstances and let's be honest we should be we should be turning this we should be turning this one around uh i don't i don't probably have to bring to mind uh, a similar situation that gets talked about on the news a lot and in the social media a lot these days about about an opposite situation um you could probably figure it out without uh without us getting all political on that but i don't um, think that was to break up a fight no no but the idea is Keep your hands yes. to yourself. Don't don't go there. That doesn't belong to you, you know. And and and, um, and uh, just don't, just just don't just don't because that's that's not yours. There's some rules here about keeping honest weight, honest weights so that you don't cheat in trade. You know, don't have two different sets of weights so that when you're making trades, that uh, that you just push it in your favor dishonestly. Oh, and then it ends up destroying the Amalekites. Remember, I was talking about how how God just did not take kindly to what the Amalekites did to the to the Israelites, and He's like, "You guys are going to wipe them out." And it makes me wonder what just what was going on before all of this to make God so adamant about wiping out these people. I mean, of course, these are the people who uh, wanted wanted to curse the Israelites. They wouldn't let them come through their through their through their land and god has got a grudge against the amalekites well, and it says right there that they attacked when they were coming out of egypt the amalekites attacked the stragglers as well so i mean mm. there's just been some nasty stuff going on all the way along yeah and, uh, yeah god is having none of that he's like nope we are going to get rid of that entire society so Boy, it would be interesting to find some history on that and, and just know just how bad was this society uh, to to need to need this level of destruction and this level of animosity towards them um, from a otherwise forgiving God. 
you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, I say obviously, maybe not obviously, but I guess from the perspective we've been seeing in this, it seems obvious. They am, the Amalekites must have just been an awful, awful society, uh, just doing disgusting things. And, and God was like, we cannot let this be in the world anymore. We have, we have, to, we have to cut this off at the knees and, and be rid of it. So just a kind of a it seems like kind of an uncharacteristic attitude from God when we look at it only from this little narrow perspective. And um, there had to have been there must have been more going on to uh, to warrant this kind of this kind of destruction and this kind of um, grudge against against them. OK, so really quick. Two things. Mm -hmm. um, for all of this list of detailed rules, I love what Tracy said. You won't write it down if you haven't seen it before. Eric, you have been a landlord, are a landlord. Does your lease expand as you run into new types of issues with lease lessees? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and and I've, had, I've had somebody call me up and say, why does the lease have all this stuff in it? And I've said, you know, there's an interesting story behind every one of these points. <laughs> See? Yeah. So, so, for, so as weird as all of these things seem to us, we weren't there. We haven't seen it. Apparently, this stuff needed to be addressed. And then yeah. there was this really cool verse in chapter 24, chapter or verse five if a man has recently married he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him for one year he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he is married okay so for all of the weird rules and who has to marry and who's obligated and blah who can divorce for what reasons for all of that stuff that we talked about that is the other side of that point a year for a newlywed dude to have no war and no other duties, all his duty is is to stay home and learn how to be happy with his wife. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Right. That's Any final thought? Well, I just want to say that these. Go ahead. Oh, what was that? No, go ahead. Okay. That these again, God, in, at the end of twenty-five, um, he's talking about the full weights and measures and being fair. He says in 25, chapter 25, verse 15, again, he says that your days may be long in the land. He's, I think that we, we want to, we tend to, as humans, look at laws to say, how come you're making me do that? How come I have to drive on the right side of the road, unless you're in England uh, or New yeah. Zealand? How come I have to obey the speed limit? How come I have to wear a seatbelt? How come I have to? These things are intended, I mean, man's laws are, are uh, you know, not perfect, but they're intended to keep us alive. They're intended to keep us, literally, in some cases, in our lane so that the other people can stay alive, too. This isn't all about just being oppressive. This is about, if I stay on my side and you stay on your side, we can actually both arrive at our destination separately alive. And I think God is saying a lot of things through this. Hey, stay in your lane. Watch out. Slow down for corners. Stop at an intersection. Be aware of these things. Don't make a vow before you think about it. 
all of these things God is saying, this is for your good. This isn't to make me happy. And I think that we have taken God's laws and we have too often applied them in a pagan way. Like if I obey this law, somehow I'm going to take an angry God and make him happy and love me. And God is, I think, in this Old Testament, he's saying, no, this isn't about you obeying these laws to make me happy. This is about you obeying these laws to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And if we think about these things, every single one of these laws, whether we don't understand them or we're like, this is a little bit bizarre, is, is there a way we can look at this that God would have said this to keep us happy, to keep us in our own lane so that we can have a better life instead of, oh, how come you're saying that I can't go 85 on a snowy road? What kind of oppressive God are you? It's like, maybe there's a danger we don't see. And he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm giving you some guidance here that you might not be able to understand why I'm telling you this. But trust me on this, stay in your lane. And that's why I think it's worth looking at these things instead of how many of these laws can we say, Okay, cross that one off, cross that one off, cross that one off. That we should look at these and say, is there some benefit to me now in this law? Is there some way I can apply this now for 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 the benefit of me and those around me? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we do have a tendency to look at laws as just being restrictive. And uh, but if we would look at them more as being methods for good life, um you know, guideline guidelines. You know, stay, stay he, here where it's safe. It it, uh, it it gives you a different perspective on stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that is probably that's probably our time. That's probably more than our time for today. <laughs> we, we went we went a little further here than with this one today than I thought we would, but uh, that's yeah. okay. I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, slow us down when when um, it was clear that there were things that needed to be said. So, but it was good. It was good. Uh, we will continue next week with in Deuteronomy chapters twenty six through thirty. While you're waiting for that, though, reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Look for us on Facebook. Be sure to share the podcast with your friends and family subscribe to us so that you get us in your feed each and every week and we look forward to talking to you again next week thanks for listening just never know how these are going to go yeah so many so many little little you know not nitpicky but just little laws there and it's like i mean shoot we went on for probably 15 minutes on on two verses yeah <laughs> yep. but uh you just, just never know how it's gonna go you know, it gives me a, a real appreciation after today's thing um of how many of these things in in the ancient world were like oh well you can go into a new town and you know you can you know make captives and make them your wife and you can do all this other stuff but really it's like, if you were to take it seriously here, I'm thinking about this as a guy. I'm thinking, whoa, man, do I? Uh, I'm going to need to take this, like, really seriously. Hey, there's a cute captive. 
it would be like, mm. wow, do I really want to spend the rest of my life? <laughs> so many of these things are this are the same. It's like, don't make a vow rashly because you're going to be held accountable for this. Mm. It's like, oh, that um, that cute maiden, you know, that from that city you guys raided. Oh, she's going to have children and they're going to inherit your stuff and you're going to take care of her for the rest of your life. Yeah. It would kind of be like, oh, well, maybe, maybe the the uh, young man impulsiveness. If I knew that my elders were going to hold me to this, mm-hmm. I would seriously think twice about the impulsiveness of like, oh, hey, this seems like a cool thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that's the biggest benefit to that waiting for a month thing. Yeah. From, from his from his perspective. Right, because I think technically he might be like, you know what, actually, maybe let's, no, you go (laughs) ahead and be free, and she would now have a pass that otherwise she never would have had. She's from a captive Mm -hmm. people group, and she was taken prisoner, and now all of a sudden she kind of passport to move on that there's no way she would have had under any other circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because having having um, you know the perspective I've had with Shannon when she lost her hair and stuff, and I know she felt very self conscious about it, but because of my relationship with her, um, I didn't really see her any differently, you know. And so for for that idea of them having to shave their head, cut their nails, change their clothes, and all that, change their change their appearance so drastically. Yeah. Yep. For for like you said, for a guy who just kind of impulsively took her, um, let's remove the superficial lust from this situation yeah. and have you spend some thirty days of proximity with with each other and see what you think then. Yeah. Yep. You know, I yeah. think it. I think it goes along with the same kind of lines as um, the military a little bit. Is that when you come from a different place, while she was a beautiful maiden or a captive somewhere else, you have to assimilate her into your family and just like in the military when you get to boot camp what's the first thing that they do they strip you of your identity basically yep. <clears throat> for, a, yeah. in, for a female you know can it lie in some of the outside things like you know the length of her hair the beauty of her hair so when you take that you you kind of how do you say integrate them take into away the currency. team huh you take away her currency Yes. And it's humbling. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and then she learns how to be part of a team and not an individual. So maybe then that becomes a part of how to assimilate those people into their family structure or unit. Yeah. All this makes me, make me, makes me think it's like, well, all, oh, 2020, <clears throat> this year has been inconvenient. And there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And I think God is putting a warning shot across the bow. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time in history, like, really, we're inconvenienced, and there's some sucky stuff. But it's not like, it's not like Colorado got raided by Texas, and we all got taken captive, and yeah. our parents killed, and, you know, now we're servants of of somebody else. It's like, it keeps us in perspective, is like, okay, this is not the worst chapter in any human's history. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there we, was that one time that the store didn't have toilet paper. Right. <laughs> that was the end of the world. <coughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the uh, everybody kind of went off the deep end over some things there for a while. And it's like it's just a it's just a little inconvenience. 